0: Hello, you guys. What is up? Welcome back to another episode of Killer Instincts. I hope you all are staying safe. I hope you're staying inside if you can. I hope you're doing good. And thanks for coming back to tune in to another episode. So, as you can tell by the title of today's episode, we are talking about the solved case of Savannah Spurlock. Savannah was 22 years old when she went missing on January 4th, 2019 from Lexington, Kentucky. Before we jump into Savannah's case though, as always, let's just take a second and go over some of the theories that y'all had for last week's case. If you haven't caught up on last week's case, we talked about the unsolved disappearance of three-year-old Jared Otadero. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, you can pause this one and go back and listen or fast forward through these theories, listen to this episode, and then go back and listen to the previous one. I don't think there has ever been a case where you guys have been so vocal about your theories, at least for me. My inbox was flooded with all of your theories and questions and comments on this case which I was super super happy to see. So the first theory says, hi there, I wanted to chime in on today's episode concerning Jared. I do not believe the police department as a whole was involved in covering something up. To believe that, we have to believe that the entire department is made up of people who are okay with hiding a child's death. I also understood the sheriff not wanting the family to search if they were looking at a possible crime scene. The sheriff at this point likely didn't know if the parents could be involved. Having someone escort them in this makes sense as well if you are looking of the those closest to the person are looked at theory. So basically what she means is that whenever someone goes missing, the people closest to them in their lives are typically the ones who get questioned first. With that being said, I do believe the police officers involved could have been influenced by their sheriff. Let me explain. The sheriff seems to have an ego issue. I feel like he got his feathers ruffled early on and had a point to prove with the search. That would explain why he didn't want to allow other professionals in and why he refused to search an area. To do so would say that he wasn't competent enough to handle it. If he then relayed that same attitude to his deputies, they could have felt that outsiders didn't think that they could do their jobs as well. This, in return, led to a very botched search and rescue operation. As far as what happened to this sweet little boy, I lean against abduction because unless the abductor really wants to get caught, why put anything back at the scene? I strongly lean towards this being a freak accident. Perhaps he fell and was wedged in between something. After years of being there, animals could have just disturbed the area, bringing items out. I do not think it was a mountain lion because, as you pointed out, there were no blood, torn items, or drag marks. This again leads me towards an accident in which the child was perhaps killed upon impact and his whereabouts could not be seen. I know that the answers are likely never going to be given to this poor family, but I hope that they are able to find some peace as they move forward. Thanks for sharing. So I think that that is a very good point that I did not touch on and that point is that this could have been an ego thing for the sheriff, you know, wanting all the credit and wanting to seem kind of like the hero in all of this. I think that that's really possible and I do think that he could have kind of had that attitude with the people that were working with him on this case and kind of steered them in a direction of we have to be the one who finds him and we're going to be the one who solves this or no one's going to solve it type of attitude. So thank you for voicing your opinion on that. I think that that's really a good point to take into consideration with all of this. So the second theory we are looking at says, hey Savannah, I'm a huge fan. I love your videos. Something about Jared's case doesn't sit right with me there's many things that just don't add up how could a three-year-old run faster than all 11 adults he had to overtake the slow walking group then hit the fast walking group and then run up ahead of everyone in general he was three years old and wouldn't be able to run that fast or far also how did any of the people think it was a good idea to let a young boy walk ahead on his own with strangers how could none of the 11 people have seen where jared went it doesn't make sense i Believed that the police had been covering up Jared's disappearance even if they didn't abduct him themselves. Clearly, the sheriff didn't care whether Jared was found or not as he turned down the help offered to him by the National Guard that is so sad and makes me wonder would Jared have justice if there was a different sheriff on the case? So this is kind of taking a different approach as the uh, the first theory that we just um, went through. This is kind of a different way to look at it. The first theory kind of talked about how the sheriff's ego and him wanting to be the hero in all of this was the reason that he denied help from other organizations and the National Guard who offered their free volunteering to come in and help. And this one definitely is more so of the sheriff didn't care and that is why he denied help from all of these people. So two very different ways of looking at it. So thank you for sending that theory in as well. And now taking a look at some of the comments that you guys left on the YouTube video that I did about this. If you don't know, I have a YouTube channel. If you're just listening to me from the podcast, I have a YouTube channel where I do post um, the cases that we cover the day after the podcast goes up. So every Thursday. And just to quickly go through some of them, one person says this case is creepy. It sounds so fishy that the congressman was threatened. Someone knows something. The trained tracker's accuracy is bone chilling. It's so shady, the fact that the items kept showing up on the top of the cliff. I'm hooked. And something I also want to mention, and I know we're going to get to today's case, just bear with me for a little bit. Something that I also want to mention that you guys pointed out is Alan Otadero, Jared's father, came forward a couple years after the tooth and the piece of the cranium were found, and he said that when the the forensic examiners went through everything. They were able to figure out that the tooth was from a child two years older than what Jared was when he originally went missing and Jared was three years old when he went missing. So either Jared had been held by someone for a long period of time or the tooth that was found was a different child. So this completely Kind of takes things into a different direction if the tooth that was found was two years older than what jared was when he originally went missing it brings up a lot more questions that unfortunately i just don't know if we'll ever have the answers to so with that being said thank you guys so much for sending in all of your theories and what you thought i love just like looking through all of them and piecing what you guys think together and it's it's really great so thank you so much for doing that i hope we can continue to do that and with that being said let's jump into today's case. So like I said, today we are talking about the murder of Savannah Spurlock. Savannah was 22 years old when she went missing on January 4th, 2019 from Lexington, Kentucky. So before we jump into the details of Savannah's case, let's take a minute and look at who Savannah was before all of this happened. So Savannah was the daughter of Cecil and Ellen Spurlock, and I wasn't able to find out when exactly, but at some point in Savannah's life, Cecil and Ellen did end up getting a divorce. Savannah was on the dance team all through her middle school and high school years. Her father describes her as someone who's extremely outgoing and really easy to get along with. She was described as a very kind and loving person. Ellen, Savannah's mother, just said that the two of them loved hanging out together, spending time together. They would grill out in the backyard, they would play games, and just hanging out as a family was something that they really loved doing. Savannah was an absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous young woman. And after graduating from high school, she actually started college at Eastern Kentucky University, where she was studying health administration. But Savannah actually ended up getting pregnant while at college and once she had her first child it was really difficult for her to juggle being a first-time mom as well as keeping up with her classes and her schoolwork and doing all of the things that were required on the academic standpoint so she ended up taking a little bit of time off from her classes to really focus on her family and being a mother and she actually ended up having four kids in total one being a set of twins that had been born about five Five weeks prior to her disappearance. Now as great of a mother as she was and as, as family oriented as she was, Savannah was still 22 years old and I can say this because I'm 23 years old so I know that mindset because even though she loved being with her family and her kids were her world, she also loved being a 22 year old. She liked hanging out with her friends and going out to bars and drinking and partying and doing things that a lot of other 22 year olds tend to do. Now one person who Savannah really didn't see eye to eye with in this time of her life was her father, Cecil. Now, according to Cecil, he said he definitely took the tough love approach when it came to Savannah and wanting her to go back to school and kind of wanting her to stop going out and partying as much. Savannah was a free spirit though, and she definitely liked going out and living life like a 22-year-old without responsibilities, and she was definitely going through kind of like a tough phase in her life, trying to balance everything. Her friends described her as a perfectionist. She always wanted people to like her. She wanted to fit in, and a part of the way of fitting in was to socialize and to go out, and like I said, her father did have a problem with this, and he ended up cutting Savannah off in hopes that it would help push her to get her priorities straight, so no more money was being sent to Savannah. He cut off her car payment, her insurance, all of those things, so Savannah, as well as her four kids, were living with her mother, Ellen, at the time of her disappearance, as well as her younger sister. Savannah's young sister also lived in the house with Ellen and Savannah's four kids. So let's talk about the night of January 3rd. 2019. So on this particular night, Savannah had made plans with a girlfriend of hers to go out to the bar and have a night out. According to Ellen, Savannah's mother, she said Savannah to her knowledge hadn't been out before this. This was the first time she had been going out and socializing since the twins had been born. So she really wanted Savannah to be able to have a good time. So a friend of Savannah's had come over to Savannah's house. And Savannah at this point lived in Richmond, Kentucky with Ellen and her friend ended up meeting her at her home at about 9 p.m. that night, and then the two of them drove over in Savannah's mother's car to Lexington, Kentucky, to meet up with a guy friend of theirs. So Savannah ended up leaving Ellen's car in the parking lot of the apartment complex of where their guy friend lived, and once they got to their guy friend's apartment, he ended up driving Savannah, as well as her other friend, to a bar in Lexington called The Other Bar. Now, I have searched and searched and searched, and I have not been able to find the name of the male friend or the girlfriend that Savannah was with that night. So they're just going to be referred to as guy friend and girlfriend. So they all ended up getting to the bar at about 10 30 p.m. And when they got to the bar, you know, they started mingling, started socializing with some people there, and that included socializing with three men. Now the guy friend of the group that drove Savannah and her friend to this bar had actually had to get up for work early the next morning. So he ended up Leaving. He left Savannah and her friend at the other bar because the two of them weren't ready to leave yet. But not too long after the guy friend had left, Savannah and the girlfriend that she went to the bar with actually ended up getting into an argument. Now, I'm not sure what the argument was about or whatever caused it, but Savannah's friend actually decided that she was going to leave the bar and Savannah ended up staying by herself. So now, fast forward a little bit into the earlier morning hours, and it was a about 3 a.m. and Ellen realized that Savannah had never made it back home as she was supposed to. Ellen had fallen asleep and woken up at 3 a.m., realized Savannah wasn't home, and ended up calling Savannah's cell phone. And that is when Savannah declined the phone call, but then after a couple minutes later, Ellen actually received a FaceTime call from Savannah. According to Ellen, when Savannah called her back via FaceTime, she was in a car with other people and continuously reassured Ellen that she was fine and would be home within the next couple hours and into the early morning. She promised that she would be home later that morning. Now, from what police have said, they believe that Savannah was in the front passenger seat of an SUV with one person driving the car and another one in the back seat of the car. Ellen said that it was apparent to her that Savannah was drunk at the time of the FaceTime call, but she didn't seem stressed or worried or scared, and Ellen figured that she would be home soon like she promised Ellen said that the other people that were with Savannah in the car were kind of being pretty loud during this FaceTime call they were kind of just kind of heckling Ellen saying chill you know you just gotta chill because Ellen was getting worried that Savannah wasn't home yet but Ellen decided to just let it go she trusted Savannah that she would be home later like she said she would so she hung up the phone and just went back to sleep but when Ellen woke back up at 8 a.m that morning and Savannah still hadn't made it home She knew that something was wrong. Okay, we're going to take a short break, but we will be right back with more of the Killer Instinct podcast. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? apartments.com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you apartments.com the place to find a place all right you guys welcome back So, in the early morning hours of January 4th, Ellen ended up calling Savannah's best friend, and this best friend is named Sabrina. So, Sabrina and Savannah had actually known each other for about 10 years. Sabrina was the godmother to all of Savannah's children. And when Ellen called Sabrina, she asked if Savannah was at her house, but Sabrina said no. Sabrina said that she knew that the only other place Savannah would be if she wasn't at her own house was going to be at Sabrina's house, which is why Ellen. Ellen called her to check. So Sabrina ended up calling Savannah. She called Savannah about 15 times after Ellen had called her and each time she got no answer. So the hours just kept on passing by on January 4th and there was still no sign of Savannah. She hadn't called anyone. She hadn't texted anyone. She hadn't been home. There was no sign of her and that is when Ellen decided that it was time to file a missing persons report. Once the missing persons report was filed, the police had taken Savannah's mom's car that was used to drive Savannah and her friend into Lexington in for evidence and while the police were doing their own investigation, Savannah's family and friends were doing the same her father, her mother, Sabrina, everyone that knew and loved Savannah was searching for her, driving through the towns, trying to see if they could find her, but Savannah was nowhere to be found. So it didn't take long in the investigation for police to be able to clear Savannah's friends that she went to the bar with, so the guy friend and the girlfriend. They had been cleared pretty early on as not having anything to do with Savannah's disappearance. It was also very clear to people from the beginning that Savannah did not and would not, this was not like a runaway situation, Savannah Savannah would never voluntarily up and disappear. She had four kids who were her world and right before her disappearance, she had talked to her grandmother about getting a job and her own apartment for her and her kids to live in. So she was planning for her future. So this is not someone who just decided to vanish on their own free will. So this is when things start to really kick in on the investigation. So police were able to collect surveillance footage from the other bar, the bar that Savannah was at the night she disappeared, and there was surveillance. surveillance footage of Savannah leaving the bar, but the footage showed that Savannah was not alone. The video footage showed that Savannah was leaving the other bar with three men and it was the same three men that she had met earlier that night inside of the bar. Two of the men got into a car with Savannah and then one of the other men ended up getting to their own car and following them. Now the surveillance footage doesn't show that Savannah looks worried or scared or that she's being forced to follow these men. The only thing it really looked like honestly was that she was cold. She was wearing a skirt or a dress of some sort and heels and a little black sweater and you can see from the footage that she's holding onto her arms as you do when you're trying to warm yourself up. So when police got this surveillance footage they ended up releasing it to the public and asked anyone who knew who these men were to come forward and identify them. That way police could ask them some questions about what happened that night. police were also able to figure out the Savannah's phone was actually turned off at 8 30 a.m. on January 4th. So, when Savannah's best friend, Sabrina, saw the surveillance footage, she said that she knew that there was absolutely no way Savannah knew these three men prior to going to the bar that night. Not only are Sabrina and Savannah best friends and tell each other absolutely everything, but Sabrina had actually talked to Savannah at about 6 30 p.m. the night that she went out to the bar. So, if Savannah was planning to meet up with these people or knew that she she was going to be seeing these men, she would have mentioned it to Sabrina and she didn't. Now, Sabrina says that there's a couple different ways that she could see this scenario playing out as to why Savannah would leave the bar with these men. The first being is that if these men offered to give Savannah a ride home because her friend had left her at the bar alone, Or the second one is that if they had told her that they could go and continue the party elsewhere, either invite Savannah back to their house and say, you know, like, let's keep drinking, let's keep having fun, we're having a good night, why does it have to stop now? Because the other bar did close at 2.30am, so they could have tried to convince her to come back with them and continue the party at their place. Now, based off of the FaceTime call Savannah had with her mother, I think that the latter of those two is more likely, just considering that Savannah said that she would be home in a couple of hours and if she was planning on just getting a ride home from these people she probably just would have said i'll be home soon i'm getting dropped off but she didn't mention that so by the end of the month of january 2019 police came forward and said that they had been able to identify all three of the men that savannah was seen leaving with on the surveillance footage now authorities have come forward and said that even though they don't believe savannah knew these men prior to this night they do believe that all of these men knew knew each other. Ellen said that when she FaceTimed Savannah, she did not recognize the man driving the car that Savannah was in and that she had never seen him before. So about a month after Savannah's disappearance, police came forward and said that they were able to figure out that Savannah had ended up with the men at a home in Garrett County. Now, Garrett County is about a 50-minute drive from Lexington from when I looked it up on Google Maps. Police also came forward and said that they had questioned all three of the men from the surveillance footage, and they all pretty much had the same story. And this story was that Savannah had gone with these men back to their house in Garrett County, but ended up leaving the next morning. The claim was, was that Savannah had left the house in Garrett County on foot. Now, mind you. Richmond, Kentucky, which is where Savannah's mother lives, where Savannah lives too, um, Richmond, Kentucky is about a 30-minute drive from Garrett County and about a seven-hour walk and like we said lexington which is about a 45 to 50 minute drive is a 13-hour walk so there is no way that savannah would just leave on foot out of this house where was she gonna go her phone got turned off at 8 30 in the morning now authorities have actually declined to release the names of two of the men that were in the surveillance footage that night and i have no idea why i am not sure why the names of these men haven't been released but one of the names of the men have been released and this person is the primary person of interest at this point in this case, and that is a 23-year-old man named David Sparks. Now, David had told the authorities that in the early hours after their night out at the bar, Savannah had woken up and asked David where she was. David then told authorities that he had given Savannah the address to the house that they were in, which was a home that he had been renting, so it was David's home, and then he went back to sleep. He said when he woke up again at noon, Savannah was already gone. Again, no one in Savannah's life believes that this is something she would do and she would never just walk off like that. So for six months, police as well as everyone in Savannah's life was constantly looking for her, trying to find clues and evidence and trying to piece the puzzle back together as to what could have possibly happened to Savannah this night. But then there was a break in the case and that happened on July 10th, 2019, six months after Savannah's disappearance. Police had received a tip from someone saying that they smelt a foul odor coming from their property in Garrett County. Now the person who was complaining about this awful smell at their home was actually David Sparks's father father. Now, when police arrived at David's parents' house and began searching, they ended up finding human remains, and after sending them off to get DNA tested on July 11th, the following day, the remains were positively identified as belonging to Savannah Spurlock. Now, oddly enough, this property had actually been searched five months prior to this. When police were able to identify who David Sparks was and that he was the man in the surveillance footage, they searched his home as well as his parents home and they searched the cornfields near his parents home but, but didn't find anything. Now the Kentucky state police trooper named Robert Purdy has come forward and said that there was no indication and no reason to believe that Savannah had been recently placed there during the time period that the authorities had last been on the property which was a five month time period and that the odor from the remains is what led them to her. So the details regarding how Savannah's body was found are absolutely heartbreaking savannah was found in a 19 inch deep grave with her body wrapped in trash bags she was wearing no clothes her body was folded over so like folded in half and her feet and her hands were bound with tape she was also found buried with a rug which we later learn is a rug that belonged to david sparks according to detectives david had texted his sister the night of savannah's disappearance and asked her where he could purchase a new rug the rug that was typically found in david's bedroom was the rug that was buried with savannah's body and he had texted his sister asking where she got her rug that way he could replace it authorities also claimed that they found blood belonging to savannah spurlock in david's closet now, right when these remains were found, before they were even confirmed to be Savannah's, David Sparks was arrested. Now, at first, they weren't able to arrest him with murder. However, they were able to arrest him on the charges of abuse of a corp and tampering with physical evidence. Now, if you're wondering about what happened to the two other men that David was with the night of Savannah's disappearance, there really isn't much more out there about them, which I know is really bizarre, considering it kind of feels like they were a part of this too, However, on July 15, 2019, when David Sparks appeared for his probable cause hearing in court, detectives came forward and said that they believe Savannah went to David Sparks' home after leaving the other bar on the night she disappeared, and they also believe that the two other men ended up leaving David's home that night after a short period of time and left Savannah and David by themselves. So the other two men did not live in this house with David. And I do want to clarify, because I know when I was doing my research, it was kind of confusing and there was a lot of conflicting statements as to whether Savannah was at David Sparks's house or David's parents' house or was she at both and when was she at which. So to break it down a little bit more, when Savannah left the other bar with David and the two other men, she was taken to David's rental home. This is a home that he lived in and this is the home where Savannah's blood was found on his closet door. There is surveillance footage from a neighbor of David that shows Savannah entering David Sparks's home but never exiting it. Savannah's remains were found on David Sparks' parents' property that was also in Garrett County. When police tracked David's phone, his GPS indicated that there were multiple trips made back and forth to and from his parents' house the day after Savannah disappeared. I just wanted to take a moment to clarify that because there's a lot of conflicting statements out there and it can get kind of confusing. So as of November 2019, David Sparks officially faced counts of murder along with tampering of physical evidence and abuse of a corpse. In September 2019, David actually pled not guilty to all of these charges, and the hearing for this case was supposed to be held in January. However, because the defense claimed that they needed more time to comb through evidence, the hearing was pushed back to April 3rd, which was literally just a couple days ago. However, with the state of where the country is and the state of where the world is with this virus, the hearing has been pushed back again. I was not able to find when the new hearing will be, but I will keep you guys posted on that, so this will definitely be a case that we should, you know, update on and keep up to date on. Savannah's family has come forward and said that even though it's been pushed back again, even though the hearing has been pushed back again, they remain positive knowing that justice for Savannah will be served. So Savannah's family actually created a Facebook page ever since Savannah first disappeared, and it's called Remembering Savannah. On this Facebook, page they post updates on savannah's case so if you want to follow it that way you can be up to date on everything i highly recommend you do so but alongside with that they're also constantly posting things about other missing persons cases and updating you on them as well all in all they are just absolutely warriors they have fought every step of the way to get justice for savannah and not only that they use their page as a voice to help bring justice to other people who have also gone missing so the fact that they're able to not only fight so hard for this this battle, but continue to fight for others as well, is just incredibly inspiring. So there is something to be learned in this case that I wanna bring up and I wanna talk about and that is, well here's the thing, before I go into it, I want to preface this by saying what I don't want to see and what I don't want to see and what I will not tolerate is any person saying that Savannah got what she deserved because she went off with strangers that night, because she went home with people that she didn't know and so what did she expect? I will not tolerate any of that and I'm saying that because people are ruthless and that is what I've learned since going through the comments of this case. You know, some people think that they are entitled to think that because Savannah made a bad decision, that deserves for her to cost her her life and that is not the case and I will not tolerate it. So with that being said, especially if you are a woman, listen up. If you are out with friends, if it is a restaurant, if it is a bar, if it is a party, I do not care. If you go together, you leave together. If you go with a group of people, you leave with a group of people, period absolutely period. I don't care what happens. I don't care if you get into a fight. I don't care if you meet someone. I don't care what it is. You go together. You leave together. You trust the people that you're around. The guilt that Savannah's friend probably has because she left the bar that night without Savannah and didn't either stay with her or just drag Savannah out of the bar with her, she will have to live with for the rest of of her life so be smart and don't make that same mistake and i will not lie to you we can have some personal experience here i won't lie to you and i will tell you that there have been times where looking back i have put myself into the stupidest situations and nights out with friends and going places alone and it took getting into a situation where i realized how easily it would have been for something to go wrong and luckily it didn't but don't wait to have that realization have it now just don't do it don't play Russian roulette with your life, it is not worth it. You know, Sabrina, Savannah's friend said that if Savannah was still here, Savannah knows good and well, that Sabrina would have given her an earful about the decisions that she made that night, but she'll never be able to get that chance. So this is just a lesson to you. It's just a message to you guys to say, you think you're invincible after a couple drinks. It's not the case. It is not the case. So please be safe. Please be smart. And with that being said, that is all for me today, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Killer Instinct. If you are new here, hi. My name is Savannah, and I am your host of Killer Instinct. Make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode wherever you're listening to it on. You can email me your theories, your thoughts, your questions on any case that we have done, this one or ones from the past, at killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that is just killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. I hope you guys are staying safe. I hope you guys are staying healthy. Stay inside. I'll see you next week with a brand new episode. And until then, stay safe, guys.